Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to read verses 12 through 17. Matthew 4, verses 12 through 17. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 1500. Matthew 4, verses 12 through 17. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea, along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Thus ends our reading of God's inerrant word. May all who hear it find that a light has dawned on them. This may surprise you, but as a father, occasionally, I've had to discipline my children. That's true. Now, my, my intention in doing this is twofold. First, it is to show them the right path. The, the path that will keep them safe from danger and hopefully make them successful in life. But, but my second intent I view as of greater importance. For, for all discipline inflicts some sort of pain, whether physical or, or emotional. And it is through such pain that, that a light is shed on the truth concerning their sins. That their rebellious ways are, are deserving of an even greater judgment than my hand can give. My hope is that these light stings may help them to avoid something far worse. And so it is out of love that I, I discipline my children, for I want them to learn on a, on a small scale the value of repentance, in order that on the grand scale, turning from their sins will come easier. In other words, I, I, I desire to, to shed the light into the darkness that they are living in. Now, when we last left off, Jesus had been in the, in the desert of Judea, fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights. Satan had come to him, tempting him to sin. But it was in Christ's weakness that he proved to be victorious. Being led by the Holy Spirit and relying on the Word of God, the Son of God, fulfilled all righteousness. For he did not cave to the pressures of the devil. And when all was said and done, it was Satan who fled at the command of our Lord. Which brings us to our passage for today. Let's look at verse 12 again. 
When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. This John is none other than John the Baptist, the one who prepared the way for the coming of the Lord. And we see here that John had been put in prison. Now, if you know the story, you know that the reason that John had been arrested because of the words that he preached, his message was this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. John was calling people to turn from their sins and to seek the Lord. Well, the, the ruler at that time, Herod Antipas, the son of Herod the Great, did not appreciate John's candor, particularly when it concerned his own sin that was being called out. You see, Herod was an adulterer. He had left his first wife in order to marry his brother's wife. Think about that. When it came to matrimony, Herod had rejected God's law in pursuit of his own selfish desires. John the Baptist had, had called this man to repentance, and it was this call that got him arrested. I often hear people say that, that the reason the world is against the church is, is the hypocrisy within. And now, while there, there may be some merit to this claim, hypocrisy is really a secondary cause. Look at John 15, verses 18 through 23. Listen to the words of our Lord. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. The real reason the world is against the church is because the world is against God. It is the truth in God's word that condemns their actions. So when God calls them to repentance, they who belong to the world, they lash out. Those who love their sins wage a war against God, and they do so by attacking those who stay faithful to Christ. John had called Herod to repentance, and in response, Herod had put John in prison. And so we see in our text today that while John's ministry was ending, Christ was just beginning. John was decreasing so that Christ could increase. 
And Jesus began his ministry in Galilee. Look at verse 13. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. Now, Capernaum was this sleepy little fishing village on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. It had a population of maybe 1,500. If you look at the screen, you'll see a picture of the ruins that are left to us today. That's uh, roughly a third of its original size. So you can see that it was, it was just a small little place. And yet, this small little place was strategic to the Romans. For it was on a trade route from Damascus to Caesarea Maritima. And so caravans from, from Syria would regularly pass through. And this is the reason these local fishermen could earn such a living. They would provide for these caravans food along the way. And it's, and it's most likely that, that Jesus viewed this quaint little town as, as the perfect place to begin his ministry. For there would be travelers from all over, both Jews and Gentiles, passing through. You see, Galilee was at the intersection of the Jewish and the Gentile world. And Capernaum drew traders from many different regions. So it was the perfect spot for Jesus to spread his message both far and wide. And as we see in verse 14, this, this move to Capernaum would also be a fulfillment of prophecy. Look at Matthew 4, verses 14 through 16. To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now, if you were a first century Jew, you would have recognized this reference immediately. It would have pricked your ears. It's the beginning of a messianic prophecy. And so that, that, that hope that you had of the Messiah coming would have been ingrained to you through passages like Isaiah 9, which is what Matthew is quoting right here. Let's turn to that passage and see, see what is there. Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at harvest, as men rejoice when dividing plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. 
will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. 700 years before our Savior was born, we get this amazing description of our Messiah. Now, the, the, the context of this passage is the, the devastation that was brought about by the Assyrians upon the northern kingdom of Israel. This is why the, the prophet said that in the past God humbled the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, this region of Galilee. It truly was the land of the shadow of death. But in the future, God would honor this same region. The people walking in darkness would see a great light. And the men would rejoice for the, for the yoke that burdens them would be broken. And the instruments of war would be fuel for the fire. Peace was coming to this land. And it came in the form of a king. One who sits on David's throne. The one who would establish that everlasting kingdom. This passage from the prophet Isaiah was now fulfilled through the one they called Jesus. The king had come. The people living in darkness had seen a great light. It was the dawn of Jesus' public ministry. And notice, Jesus hadn't gone to Jerusalem, where one would think that the Messiah should begin his ministry. He hadn't gone to that, that city on a hill where the temple of the Lord stood as a beacon to the world, where the, where the religious leaders gathered together, where the Jews ha held their greatest power and had all the religious advantages that a place like Galilee did not have. No. Jesus began his ministry in a small fishing port in a land mixed with Jews and Gentiles. He went to the place where the darkness was most dense. Years ago when I was a student at University of Michigan, I met a young man who was from India. He was raised in a Hindu home and had become an intellectual. Spoke many different languages. He wasn't seeking God or religion, but was really focused on worldly success. He was really the last person you would expect to become a Christian. 
For he was, he was a person living in darkness. And he had come from a land of the shadow of death. And yet, a light had dawned upon his soul. Christ had come to this man with the message of salvation and opened his eyes so that he might see the truth. Sure, there were, there were plenty of students, church kids, those that lived and grew up in a Christian home. They heard the message time and again. And yet those kids did not receive the light. As soon as they, as they stepped on campus, their beliefs went right out the window. You can try all you want to share the gospel with them, but to no avail. They had rejected the faith and sought after other things. For reasons unknown to us, God's message shines upon some while, while others are blind to it. And often it's, it's the ones that we think they're least likely to believe. Those that, that should be least responsive. They are the ones that demonstrate the greatest faith. Jesus chose to begin his ministry in Galilee of the Gentiles. And not in Jerusalem. He started in Capernaum to a people living in darkness. His message was not just for the Jews, but for all nations. Let's see what that message was. Verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The first thing that you should notice is that Jesus wasn't just a teacher, but he was a preacher. The Greek word used here is keruso, and it means to proclaim or to herald. Jesus wasn't engaging in a conversation. Rather, he was speaking forth a message from God to the people. This wasn't just a, a Bible study that he was giving. He was commanding with his words. Matthew bears this out further on in his gospel when describing one of Jesus' most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount. Look at Matthew 7, verses 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds, crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. There was an authoritativeness to Jesus' sermons. When he, when he preached, he, he had command of a room, or a field, or a hillside. And the, and the message that he was given in our, in our text for today would have demanded such assertiveness. Let's look at his words again. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now we've seen this same message before. It's the same exact message that John the Baptist preached a chapter earlier. It's the same message that had John put in prison. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
Listen, since the days of Adam, God has been preaching to us an unchanged message. The path to salvation has always been the same. It is through repentant faith. God has used story after story to drive this point home. Unless a person turns from their sins and trusts in God to rescue them, they cannot be saved. The same that was true for Adam is the same that was true for Abraham and for Moses and for David. And this same message is true for you as well. Dear friends, a light has dawned upon you. And, and what does the light do? Julie just explained it to us earlier. It exposes the darkness. Before Christ came to you, you were living in a land of the shadow of death. Deep down, you, you knew that something was off. But without the light, it was difficult to figure out what it was. But Jesus revealed to you the real barrier that was keeping you from the kingdom. Your slavery to sin. Just as the Assyrians had ravaged the land of Galilee, so too has an enemy attacked you, bringing about death and destruction. And this enemy is your sin. This is the message that Jesus preached. He exposed people to their, their, their true need, which is to be made righteous. It was, it was a message that the world hated. But to those who, who were called by God, it was a light that allowed them to see. And now this light has come to you, opening up your eyes and calling you to that same repentance. But Jesus' message wasn't just repentance. No, he was offering the kingdom as well. He said the kingdom of heaven was near. And we talked about this before, when, that, that when Matthew refers to the kingdom of heaven, he is speaking of the reign of God. And in one sense, this message should cause people to tremble because it means that, that judgment is coming. But, but in another sense, it should also cause great joy. For the, for the king that the people were waiting for, the one who would shatter the yoke of their burdens and break the rod of their oppressor, that wonderful counselor, that mighty God, that everlasting father, that prince of peace, this king has finally arrived. And he was there to save his people, saving them from their sins and restoring them into a right relationship with their Father in heaven. Christ was there to bring about mercy. I think Emily in the, in the video we watched put it best when she said this, I never felt so much conviction and weight and guilt for sin and so much love 
forgiveness and grace at the same time. This, this is what Jesus does for you as well. When Christ convicts you of your sins, he, he does so as a father would his child. And the hopes to bring you to a place of peace. When the, when the light shines upon you and exposes your sins, sure, it stings. But that pain is there for a reason. For it leads you to repentance. And it directs your steps away from the land of the shadow of death and towards the kingdom of heaven where all are welcome, where you will experience true love and abundant grace. It doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you have a, a religious pedigree or if this is the first time you've ever stepped foot in a church. A light has dawned upon you and his name is Jesus. He calls you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Let us pray. Father, we are eternally grateful for the, for the light that exposes our sins and guides our steps towards your kingdom. We ask that you would aid us in our repentance and in our walk with Christ. We need your Holy Spirit to give us the strength to do this. We ask too that, that this drawing to our King would sanctify us. Lord, your kingdom is coming. Prepare us as a people. Prepare us as your sons and daughters. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.